Welcome back to the most accurate podcast here at 4 for 4 Football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, joined today by friend in life. And the reviews are in, John Paulson. And that is that people like the 30-minute catch-up between us once a week. So I know you're used to relaxing, going into the cave, doing projections, best ball happening earlier than ever. We'll get to that in a bit. But I may be forced, unfortunately, to call on you for 20 to 30 minutes every week. Are you okay with that? Uh, you're putting me on the spot as we record. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no. I have to answer yes to be a company man. Uh, yeah, I could. I could probably do this. Uh, there might be some weeks where I'm out on vacation or whatever. But uh, yeah, I can certainly devote uh, 30 minutes of my work week to uh, to catching up with you, John. And, and you know, we got some stuff happening today as we re- begin to record this podcast. You have a lot more moving pieces than me, so totally fine if I need to pinch it for you and find someone else from time to time. Uh, But uh, like me, when you have no partner, no kids, then I can just sit down and get right to it. And that's what we're going to do right now. Quickly, though, before we begin, just a quick reminder that the 4 for 4 betting subscription has now reopened ahead of the NFL draft. Far and away, our most profitable, outside of Noonan's tackle props, our most profitable event of last year. And right now, although I told corporate not to, they don't listen to me. And they are also giving away, if you sign up by February 28th for the betting subscription, they will also give you a free sub to Betsports Golf. Uh, basically the same value for free. And already, Noonan has hit two outright props to start the PGA 2023 season. I hit a first-round leader last week. Uh, so we're doing our best to try to make sure you get back your money on that sub as quickly as possible. But right now, sign up for the 4-4 betting sub, and you will get Betsports Golf for free. But Paulson, let's jump right into it because coming down the pipe right before we got on together is the news that a Clark County grand jury has officially indicted Alvin Kamara and three others for an alleged beating at a Las Vegas nightclub last year. If you recall, this is the same incident that he went into the regular season pending because we were not sure if he was going to get suspended at the beginning, middle, or end of the year. And eventually he got pushed into the offseason. And here we are now. All we know at this time right now is that this indictment means the criminal case will immediately bypass uh, a justice court in Las Vegas, the county where it happened, and instead get moved to district court for March 2nd. It could get pushed back from March 2nd, but right now it just seems like Alvin Kamara's status, at least short term, given that a suspension may happen, is up in the air. So what is your what are your overall thoughts right now since best ball drafts have launched at both Underdog and FFPC already? Yeah, I mean, I was getting ready to talk about how Kamara in the sixth round was looking like a, a good value, but I think with this news, his availability for 2023 season is very much up in the air um an indictment's pretty serious and uh depending on how this court case progresses uh we should probably get our uh friend uh, drew davenport on at some point uh, or at least get him get him uh linked in with his uh his tweet threads about this but uh certainly indicates that he's in some trouble and usually when nfl players get into trouble like this they end up with some sort of suspension so I think, uh, you know, probably not too worried about Kamara spending the entire season in jail or anything like that. But, you know, he could certainly see an eight game suspension or something like that and pretty much submarine his 2023 value uh, in terms of where he's going right now in 2023 best ball drafts. Especially since we are still waiting on the news of who the Saints will have at quarterback next. We're not expecting Winston to start, Andy Dalton, the free agent. So that shakeup matters as well i can guarantee you since i had to commit to davenport's poker night a month early he'll make some time for us next week he'll stop by for a few minutes and talk about this situation with us more in depth since he's the expert a couple other things i wanted to touch on with you was that the 2023 coaching cycle has now come to a close and what i truly believe is the best cycle we've seen in the last decade plus probably i'd have to think a long time back before I had at least some kind of faith in every single coach that was hired. But this year's coaching cycle certainly renewed um, my faith and positivity in the NFL and continued to go the right direction and getting younger, more progressive thinking minds for both offense and defense. And that, of course, closed with the last two hires and Jonathan Gannon being hired by the Cardinals, coming over from Philadelphia, of course, getting undressed 
by Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy in his sign-off game. And then uh, Stange Steichen being hired by the Colts. For Gannon, I believe it's really just going to be about getting along with Kyler Murray. Just like Peyton and Russell Wilson, Gannon has to make sure he's on the same page with Kyler, given that the, the $230 million long-term extension is already there. So they will certainly keep Kyler or lean with Kyler over Gannon, no matter what. Uh, Steichen, of course, lots of pieces up in the air here. I'm not sure if you actually saw Jim Ursay's hiring conference for Steichen, but Ursay even came out and mentioned, quote-unquote, we're not hiding. No one can shy away from the fact of what a quarterback means in this league and how we have to look going forward where Shane and Chris Ballard really dig into this draft and see where we're at. He also continued on and said, the Alabama guy, uh, of course, Bryce Young, he said, the Alabama guy doesn't look too bad, I'll tell you, as Chris Ballard whips his head around really quickly because he needs his owner to shut the hell up because he's given away their tails already. So just your thoughts on the final two hires of this offseason. Uh, well, I think with Gannon and the Cardinals, it really depends on who they bring in at offensive coordinator from a fantasy standpoint. That's our concern. It's not really the defensive-minded head coach. That's the, the issue. Uh, for Indianapolis, I mean, I think this probably bodes well for Jonathan Taylor in the running game in Indianapolis. I mean, Philly was pretty run-heavy. A lot of that came from the quarterback situation there with Jalen Hurts being such a good run uh, running uh, quarterback. But they also ran the ball quite a bit with their trio of running backs and they didn't, uh, you know, feature a guy, but uh, there was quite a few runs called and uh, that could bode well for, uh, for Jonathan Taylor. I can also close this press conference with, I thought was one of the more interesting sentences we've heard from a new head coach and that his, he said, we will pass to score points and run to win. And it's like some, finally we have someone, we have some faith in the Colts, Although Jeff Saturday poor one out will be missed for the weekly dunce moves he made, but very happy with the overall coaching cycle. Best ball though is open for all the sickos at underdog, the big board, the Superflex draft launched uh, at FFPC. They also launched an early best ball contest, $35 entry as well. 400,000 guaranteed. I believe in the prize pool, but right now let's talk about underdog and half point PPR scoring because Sam Hoppin, per request, jumped in there, did whatever the hell he does to change API, and now our underdog ADP tool at 44.com, which is free to everyone, is up and running. So it's already dragging everything in for us. And what we're seeing so far, I think is interesting to start, Paulson, is at the top, three quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts, are currently being drafted in the first two rounds, which means in the first run of drafts, what was last year's big six between those three, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, and Kyler Murray, remember, they were all grouped together, uh, has now been whittled down to the only three that averaged over 22 fantasy points per game, and all three actually averaged over 24, providing at least two more points per game than anyone else in their position. So since everyone drafts from last year's stats, we are now seeing those three at the top that I mentioned separate from the others. So what are your overall thoughts on an early glance at best ball ADP at the quarterback situation. Yeah, I think we have a situation where it's unusual compared to the last several years where, you know, a lot of people would preach late round quarterback, my uh, myself included. I think the depth at the position now doesn't look as appealing as it, uh, you know, did uh, in the last 10 years or so. You I'm just looking down the list in order. Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Burrow, Fields, Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert at uh, QB7, Trevor Lawrence at 8, Dak Prescott at 9. And then after that, things are getting really dicey. You have Deshaun Watson, who played terrible from a fantasy standpoint, uh, coming back uh, for Cleveland for a brief stint at QB10. Uh, Kirk Cousins, who's, you know, you're – very likely to get low-end QB1 numbers if you have Kirk Cousins, but he's not going to win any leagues for you. Mm-hmm. Tua, who had dealt with a pretty bad concussion situation, end of year, still in the concussion protocol a few weeks after the season uh, at 12, Daniel Jones at 13, Kyler Murray injured, um, unlikely to be ready week one, QB14, Jared Goff, Russell Wilson. I mean, we're getting into some Dicey names, players you don't really want to be going into the uh, fantasy season with as your starter. I think 
there's nine that I would be pretty comfortable with down through Prescott, the first nine I mentioned, and then after that, um, unappealing. So what I think what's going to happen and what you're seeing with the ADP of 14 for Mahomes, uh, 16 for Josh Allen, uh, 16 for Jalen Hurts going in the, by the middle of the second round, uh, you're seeing managers just jump on the really stable, high-producing quarterbacks and letting everybody else fight over the scraps and there's going to be some teams that are going to be left out in the cold as the, you know, the music ends and they don't have a seat to sit in, in terms of a good quarterback. Um, Burrow, I think solid fields is pretty solid. Lamar Jackson, if he's healthy, very solid. Herbert should be better this year with the new OC coming over from Dallas. Lawrence should be solid. Prescott should be solid. But you know, after that, how many of these guys you really want to run out there every week to that point, any thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr? Because I can already foresee it happening where they land in what is perceived as a favorable situation. Rodgers right now is a favorite, minus 150 last I checked, I believe, to join the Raiders. But Peter King has also reported that the Jets are going to try heavily to trade for him. And then if they miss out, probably try to swing a deal for Lamar Jackson. But either way, Rodgers has suitors out there. And... Derek Carr, we know, nearly signed with the Saints. Um, but the issue is if Derek Carr lands with like talent around him, I still question his value for fantasy because we did this last year. And since 2017, since he underwent that major fabulous surgery, he hasn't finished top 20 in fantasy points per game among quarterbacks. Last year, finished his QB 22 despite being steamed up as a high to mid-range QB 2 overall. And so... It just seems like people will chase Derek Carr again, even though we now have this running five-year sample where he doesn't matter for fantasy whatsoever. Uh, so just thoughts on if those veterans land in favorable situations on the market. Yeah, I think Rodgers initially is the first domino, big domino to fall, and we'll see. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there's some, still some concern that he might retire. I don't really subscribe to that. I actually do think that the Tom Brady retirement does affect Rodgers and whether or not he wants to sit on the stage while uh, – Tom Brady's celebrated as the goat um, in five years. I he he has scoffed at that uh, thinking, but um, you know, to me, I, I think he probably plays another year. And whether or not it's with the Packers or he asks for a trade, certainly things are heading towards a trade from the vibe I'm getting from the news. Uh, just from from Rogers' demeanor, he seems to be okay with it and open with it, open to it. Uh, the Packers, you could understand last year wanting to run it back when you have a back-to-back -back MVP and you think you can run it back one more time. Uh, the, the receivers didn't come together the way that they had hoped until maybe mid-season and even then, if then. And then the defense didn't play nearly as well as they had hoped they'd be able to carry them uh, into the playoffs. So it just seems like he's headed for a departure. And if he lands in uh, Vegas with his old man or his old friend, uh, Devontae Adams, I think that's mm -hmm. certainly an appealing landing spot for him. Darren Waller there as well. Hunter Renfro, um, you know, Matt Collins, they have some pieces there. Uh, he, he would probably move up. Uh, right now he's sitting in terms of ADP uh, at 19. I think part of that is some retirement fears. So if he does get traded and he's in for another season, I think he'll climb up four or five spots, get into that Goff, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray area um, because he does have – QB one upside, especially with the landscape that the quarterback landscape that we have now, if, if, especially with Devonte Adams, um, Carr, you brought up some very good points. Uh, I think prior to last season, he was pretty consistently top 15 guy, maybe not points per game, but he was always, be, he'd always be available for you. He was playing full season. So he was a compiler, uh, and he was finishing fairly, fairly well. Uh, and last year was supposed to be really his breakthrough season with Devontae Adams coming in. I think that was his best set of weapons that he had had, and it just didn't come together for him at all. Uh, Waller was kind of in and out of the lineup. Renfro was in and out of the lineup, but he always had Devontae, and um, they just didn't uh, always click like you were expecting them to based on their college uh, rapport. So I, you know, if he lands with the Jets – let's say a uh, pretty good receiving core there. He still doesn't offer anything as a runner. Uh, and you're probably going to be, have some growing pains there with a new receiving core. I'd rather, have, I'd rather have Geno Smith. Um, I'd rather have a golf who ran a pretty efficient offense 
uh, in Detroit. Uh, even Russell Wilson's kind of appealing now with Sean Payton in there. You could roll the dice and see if he could have a, a career resurgence. Uh, Daniel Jones has been solid. If he, if he stays with the Giants, uh, he's he was a top 10, top 12 quarterback last year. So no reason he can't do that again. So I think I would take all those guys over over Derek Carr for various reasons. Geno Smith, of course, who will likely reset the market for median quarterbacks since the top guys, the younger players, continue resetting for one another with X amount of guaranteed money, if not fully guaranteed, like the Deshaun Watson contract. Geno Smith, we finally have someone who won't get the $31 million franchise tag, but who his franchise values highly. So a multi-year million dollar, a, a multi-year extension for 20 to 25 million, I think is in play, which is uh, something the market needs right now, especially with Daniel Jones still out there as a free agent as well. You also talked about Darren Waller. And right now, I think the tight end landscape is something to interesting to discuss as well, given that Travis Kelsey is a top five pick and Mark Andrews, the tight end two, the next one being drafted behind Kelsey is currently going at the end of the third round an underdog. Uh, Kelsey, of course, averaged four more points per game, the next closest tight end. He was the only tight end to record at least 90 receptions and he reached 110. And then uh, in his age 33 season last year, finished second only to the great Chigokonkwo, who is Coach hates him uh, in yards per route run at their position. So overall, just thoughts on the tight end landscape right now. Yeah, I think you look at what Kelsey's season was. He just once again, you know, proved the doubters wrong. I had some doubts, not so much in his role in that offense, because I knew it was going to be a monster one with uh, Tyree Kill out. But he was starting to show some signs of slowing down in terms of his yards per catch, uh, yards per game. Uh last season 2021 uh now 2022 those those numbers back up um i guess his yards per reception were about the same 12.2 but yards per game 70 78 obviously 12 touchdowns is better than nine touchdowns i uh, was big uh big in the red zone huge in the red zone for the chiefs he's still um you know you you wonder about the chiefs are they going to get a little bit complacent or do they still have a chip on their shoulders and continue to work uh but kelsey's a pro he looks like a you know, middle of the first, early first round pick in terms of his advantage, the advantage that he gives you at the tight end position. I think you mentioned Mark Andrews. You know, if he's going late third, mid to late third, I think he's a nice play, but it really depends on uh, if Lamar Jackson sticks around at quarterback or who they have throwing the ball there. I think TJ Hawkinson played really well for the Vikings after the trade, mm -hmm. was a huge part of that offense. So I, I would be comfortable with him as my tight end one. He's going pick 42. Um, so if you can get, if you don't want to take Kelsey in the first and you can get Andrews or Hawkinson near that three, four turn, I think that's a pretty good plan at tight end. And after that, you know, George Kittle, pretty solid. We know he can play really well, just kind of a weird offense sometimes for him. Dallas Goddard, they're both sort of in that same vein of lower volume passing attacks, but highly, highly efficient. I like, I like Goddard a lot as a player, uh, but Philly is unlikely to really throw the ball any more than they did last year but he was really a, a consistent threat but he was doing it more on four to six targets per game you know instead of maybe eight nine targets per game like you'd like out of your tight end one but you know you can get him in the fifth round so I think at that point my comfort level stops we don't know what we're going to get from from Kyle Pitts Dar Darren Waller we don't know who their, his quarterback is is he getting on the back end of his career can he stay healthy Dalton Schultz I think is fairly safe just kind of not exciting uh, upside pick, but does very well with Dak Prescott over the last couple of years. And I think my, my big question is Evan Ingram, does he return to Jacksonville? He had a career resurgence there. And then you do have some interesting upside players, uh, and David Njoku with perhaps a better uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, Cole Komet had a kind of a breakout season when they finally let Justin Fields throw the ball. Uh, obviously, Greg Dolchich had a good uh, good run there, and uh, Sean Payton is used to uh, using his tight end in the passing game. So there is there is some upside late, but I'm not going to fall for that this year. I'm going to try to get one of these top four or five guys and uh, let everybody else fight out the scrap. This might be a, an early QB, early tight end year for me. Wild scenes out there early on. Kittle also tight in two in points per game, but it's almost like 
a three-headed argument because he was not that until Brock Purdy took over and Devo Samuel got injured. And then, of course, Kittle from week 14 on led the NFL in receiving touchdowns. But also you could argue we just want our tight ends to have that capability, whereas a lot don't have any ceilings worth chasing anyhow. So probably still worth chasing despite the micro splits we'll definitely get into over the next five months of that position. And finally, something else that stood out to me was just the current running back landscape because much like how the cordyceps virus infects everyone in the last of us rookie fever once february hits it's all over everyone goes blind and just chases what they perceive to be the next best thing no matter what the actual outcome will be and right now i think nothing says that more than Bijan robinson having a 14 overall adp in the big board as the rb4 ahead of saquon barkley of course unrestricted free agent saquon barkley as the rb5 so just your thoughts when you initially looked at the current running back position well we saw it and we did our you know four for four mock draft and mm-hmm. i was seeing i was surprised but i was seeing quite a bit of good running back depth even into the fourth fifth sixth seventh round like good players that normally are gone second third round maybe they're starting to decline a little bit um I'm just looking at the underdog ADP, which is a little bit separate than what we did over at Sleeper, but you know, Tony Pollard, Najee uh, Harris in the fourth round, uh, DeAndre Swift, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, fourth or fi- you know, fourth f- fifth turn. Uh, you can get him in the fifth round as late as the fifth round. I was gonna say Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara, but now I'll just mention Jones going in the sixth round. There's some rumors that he might get cut, but I don't think that the Packers are gonna do that if they make a change at quarterback. Uh, Cam Akers, who had a pretty good late season run uh, for the Rams after a really weird early midseason situation there with the Rams. Uh, getting Wanting lots to get lots traded, of- them yeah. trying to trade him, and then realizing he can't be traded. Yeah. And then he did, did pretty well at the end. And then James Conner, I think, too. Great. Like, James Conner, seventh round, those two guys. Uh, you can get an RB, a quality RB2 right now in underdog uh, in that seventh round. Uh, Conner, I believe, posted mid to low end. RB fantasy RB one numbers after the injury. He was basically what we thought he was going to be after he came back from that injury in terms of, of workload. So what that tells me is that there's lots of different options this year in terms of how you want to construct your team. And if you do want to go quarterback tight end early, there are some guys that are going to be available there uh, in the middle rounds. As of right now, I mean, everything's going to change, but there's a lot of quite a bit of depth at running back right now. Um, And if you want to build around the, stud quarterback, stud tight end, and then just kind of fill in your running backs and wide receivers around that. There are going to be players available later on in the draft that are pretty appealing and they're going to have perhaps 20 plus touch workloads. Anything else for you get out of here that stood out to you? Like for instance, we haven't talked about wide receiver. I looked at the top. You unsurprisingly see Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase and Cooper cup cup, of course, who had, five 100-yard games out of six starts with Matthew Stafford. So Cup was well on his way to competing as the overall wide receiver one yet again if not only he got injured, but if everyone around him didn't fall either. Uh, so anything you saw at wide receiver at first glance? Yeah, I think it's a, you know, you have your studs and then you have your second tier and third tier and you're trying to see like how how deep that middle round depth is. Uh, you know, my plan over the last few years has been at least one running back early and then uh, pounding the receiver position for a while because uh, you, you can get or getting a tight end as well and then pounding the receiver position three like rounds three through six and I still think that that depth is there you got Terry McLaurin going 57 overall DJ Moore going 58 overall uh, these are good players Drake London 59 Judy 58 um, Tyler Lockett 68 and then like Deontay Johnson's you know, really jumped out at me at 80. Uh, if there's anybody that's got touchdown regression, you know, written all over him, it's Deontay Johnson. The question is, can Kenny Pickett throw touchdowns? <laughs> I think that's my big question yeah. about Pittsburgh. So, but really a good good player to get at pick 80. Um, so I think there's depth at receiver as well. But I think if I was just looking at it right now and had to construct a, a draft plan, I think I probably would take a stud or two at receiver Um try to grab a stud tight end and see if I get a burrow or somebody at quarterback. And then, uh, you know, 
hit a couple running backs in those middle rounds and then and then start coming back to the running back or wide receiver position for my wide receiver three four uh five so you know it's it's so early things are going to change a lot as uh, mm-hmm. the hive mind eats itself um but uh you know i think the, the fact that there's depth at receiver is nothing new. I think it's 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 going to be similar as it has been for the last five or six years. It is time to talk dynasty. Uh, and there's no one else I would rather do that with, of course, than Dynasty League Football's own Ryan McDowell, who just shocked me there for a second. Ryan, how's it going, buddy? I just I just showed up. I was I was ready for you. Uh, yeah, going well, man. Always ready to talk dynasty. It is an important time to do it as well because sure. the reason I put up the bat signal, the dynasty league signal, and wanted to get you on because right now there are some pressing names: veterans, buy lows, sell highs. That I think now is the time to attack, whether they're on your roster or not. And I have a list of ten names. I want to discuss with you and actually like get your action, you know, maybe dive into the trade calculator at dynasty league football. One of my favorite things to do to gauge a player's current value and just see where you're leaning on these individuals right now. Yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. All right, let's go ahead and start at the top with Joe Mixon. Of course, Mm -hmm. the Bengals, even though Samaji P runs a free agent, they only have at this time, Chris Evans under contract behind Mixon. But we know not only the T. Higgins contract coming up, and we'll get there in a second, Jamar Chase extension looming in the background. The organization has already come out and said this is the offseason. They begin doing and making the discussions of long-term contract for the Joe Burrow deal that will ultimately reset that position as well. And so it may seem crazy, but it is certainly possible, if not favorable, that the Bengals can cut Joe Mixon and save seven and a half million this year, and then use that money to keep their core two, if not three players together in the passing game. So, right now, Joe Mixon, after getting out touched and out snapped by P. Ryan in that must win conference championship game against the Chiefs, where do you stand right now on him? And what are you doing with him, whether he's on your team or on another person's team? Yeah, he's a tough one because that that narrative, that that possibility of being a cap cut is it seems like it's kind of building and growing uh, almost daily that that's uh, trending that direction. Uh, I mean, who knows? The the Bengals, when you really think about it, have been have kind of been lucky. They've gotten that early production, obviously, from Chase, from Burrow, from T Higgins, and they haven't had to worry about contracts necessarily the past couple of years. Uh, they gave Mixon the big deal. Uh, a, a couple of years ago. And, and yeah, now a, as running backs do, it's kind of coming back to haunt them a little bit. The, these 2017 rookie running backs and, and we're talking about Mixon today, but we could talk about Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara and, and really that whole group, Aaron Jones as well. Several of those guys, I think multiple of those guys are going to end up getting cut. The problem is we've already seen a value drop for those players in dynasty, right? I mean, the, the dynasty community is, is already uh, not giving up on them, but adjusting their value down so much that uh, even with being a cap cut as a possibility, I, I think Mixon might be a buy. You look at uh, some of the recent trades uh, using the trade finder over at dynasty league football, even up for Rashad Bateman, even up for Miles Sanders, one for one hmm. deals for those players are a couple of the recent deals his ADP's hanging, hanging tough, I guess. Thirty-six overall. Uh, he's RB twelve, but that's kind of, you know, that's kind of a big tier we're talking about there. I expect that to continue to drop. I want to get into his teammate as well because if we're suggesting that Mixon could be cut, and you said you're still buying, that could be to allocate that money towards Burrow, towards Chase. Uh, It could also maybe be, though, to allocate the money towards T. Higgins, who is going to be on the final year of his contract this upcoming year. Higgins has already been in the trade cycle reports as well, uh, would likely definitely garner a first-round pick. And we saw A.J. Brown traded for this reason, because whoever trades for T. Higgins will definitely have to have the long-term extension in place, which the Bengals may not even be able to do. So what are your thoughts on T. Higgins right now, given that he is a young player who you would trade for talent, but are you going out of your way to try to get him knowing he may not be with Burrow? 
Yeah, I think the Higgins conversation is a little easier because he because he is younger, because he's produced, and honestly, because he's a wide receiver. So um, I don't know. I, I'm just personally not buying the trade talk. Uh, okay. I, I think that's that's kind of out of nowhere. So he feels like a, a pretty safe buy to me. His current ADP is uh, a wide receiver 8, 12 overall. So he's a first rounder. Um, you know, we kind of, uh, I think we, kind of dismiss him or almost think of him as uh, the second option because of Jamar Chase there in Cincinnati. Uh, but he's he's expensive in Dynasty. Top 12 overall asset. Uh, looking at some of the trades with him, uh, the trade market doesn't necessarily match that, that high ADP. Uh, T. Higgins and a third for a first. Um, hmm. And, you know, we don't know where that first is. Maybe it's Maybe it's the 101, 102. That would change things, obviously. T. Higgins and a second for Mark Andrews. You had to add to T. Higgins to get Andrews. That's not a tight end premium league uh, either, by the way. T. Higgins and a third for Traylon Burks and Cole Komet. If if that's the trade market in Dynasty, we should all be buying T. Higgins. One that I think is a bit tougher is Josh Jacobs. As we know, currently mm. a free agent after coming off yeah. a league high 393 touches. The franchise tag, only $10.9 million for running backs. So if the Raiders were wise, which that's a massive if, you would think that's they would if, yeah. leverage those touches and just give him the $10 million um, on a prove-it deal, basically. But maybe a long-term extension here looms for him. But overall, what do you do with Josh Jacobs after this heaping workload? Yeah, the value has shot up for Josh Jacobs. He's the RB10 in our ADP. First time he's been a top 10 running back uh, in in about two and a half years. So um, the dynasty community really kind of gave up on Josh Jacobs there for about a year. Mm -hmm. And then he, he uh, of course, comes out after they make all the moves, after they bring in free agents and they draft Samir White. Then, then he has the career year. And uh, I mean, Josh Jacobs has made you know, he's made things pretty clear. He said he wasn't going to play under the tag. Uh, he said, pay me like the hero, right? That's, that's his recent quote. Pay me like the hero. If you want me to be the hero. Uh, so he's, he's looking for that payday. The Raiders decision is pretty easy for that 10 million. In my opinion, they, they get a quarterback, mm -hmm. figure that out, tag Josh Jacobs. Um, but yeah, with, with the increased value, I think Josh Jacobs is a sell at this uh, new lofty ADP. And really, uh, almost every running back we're going to talk about, I would suggest to sell in Dynasty. And Jacobs, of course, this lofty ADP, I think some people probably did buy him low last year ahead of his contract here under a new offense oh, yeah. with, no comp with no competition. But yeah, even if you were the person who bought him low, I'm certainly looking to capitalize on that and return even more from my investment, given that... Some players, like Saquon Barkley last year, all the very sharp Twitter doctors were saying like these injuries were flukes. They did come in back-to-back -back years, but they were flukes, so we're not worried about it. Uh, Josh Jacobs, I think, has been consistently injured because he's a violent runner. Like he's someone mm -hmm. whose career span, I, I don't, I wonder how long it will actually go since he's just such a hard hitter. And so I don't think it's a shock that he was injured basically every single year until last year when he finally played through injuries uh, and led the league in rushing. So yeah, overall, Josh Jacobs, I completely agree. Definitely a sell high and at this moment. Another one that's really interesting, in my opinion, is Debo Samuel ahead of his age 27 season because he did have a team high 23% target share from Brock Purdy to close the year. But Brock Purdy, given that we don't know his current status. We, we don't think he'll be ready for camp. We don't know about week one. And then that just moves us right back into Trey Lance and an ambiguous target tree, which is why we faded Debo Samuel anyhow last year. And so what are your mm -hmm. thoughts on Dynasty for Debo? Debo, I, I mean, it, it was pretty clear that uh, this time a year ago, coming off that big season, was, was Debo Samuel's peak when you're talking about value uh, ADP, what you could get for him in trade. And it's kind of been steadily uh, trending down. He's outside of the top 15 wide receivers for the first time in over a year. So really shot up with that, with that uh, breakout season in 2021. And, and like I said, steadily declining ADP trade value. The quarterback question is, is certainly one that impacts Debo Samuel, but the arrival of Christian McCaffrey is another big piece. You look at uh, Debo's uh, numbers once McCaffrey was on that roster, and and that doesn't in include uh, Debo missing some time with with some injuries. 
but he dropped by over five fantasy points per game once they traded for McCaffrey. So there's the quarterback issue. There's the McCaffrey concern. I don't know if I'm even, if I'm buying or selling Debo Samuel, honestly, the trades are, are all over the board. Debo for, for Deandre Swift, even up uh, Debo and a second for Cooper cup. I'll take Cooper cup in that one. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not sure dynasty managers know what to do with these 49ers, specifically the, the two names we mentioned there, Debo Samuel and the quarterback, Trey Lance. And Debo didn't have, once the team traded for Christian McCaffrey, didn't have a single game where he rushed for over, or he rushed for at least four attempts, over four attempts, until the conference championship when he reached six. Other than that, the rushing basically just went away entirely because it started just handing to McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell instead. So certainly something to look out for there. Moving to his quarterback, I think the easy answer is bye. But what we've seen so far is Trey Lance make four starts since being drafted as the number three overall pick in 2021. But he at least in the short term does believe he'll be cleared for all activities by May following those two ankle surgeries stemming from his week two injury. So what are your overall thoughts on Trey Lance's outlook right now? It feels like everything says just to avoid this situation, right? I mean, okay. he has, he's, he's hardly played in, in three years. He's got the competition now from Brock Purdy, if he can get healthy. Um, but I'm, I'm still buying all that said, I'm still buying uh, Trey Lance and Amari Cooper for Kyler in a super flex uh, league, Trey Lance and two ones for Joe Burrow. So the, wow, that that's kind of, if I'm selling, that's kind of the play is, stack some assets with uh with Trey Lance to go get that elite guy. We saw another one, Trey Lance and two ones for Justin Herbert. So those deals are being made where people are still willing to to take that risk and to gamble on him if they can get those extra pieces. And if you're getting Joe Burrow, if you're getting Justin Herbert in a super flex league, it's certainly worth it. I will say though those types of trades were pretty rare. If, if you check out that trade finder, uh, most of them, uh, most of the trades, Lance's value was, uh, was, you know, ambiguous as it is. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we don't know what he's, what he's going to be. We don't even know if he's going to be the starter, but in a super flex league, if you can acquire him without giving up Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, I would be trying to do that. We can't just talk about all the young fun players. Uh, we have to talk about the older veterans that could bounce back as well. And one of them, it, in my mind, is Russell Wilson. Uh, mm. I, I place this situation like Matthew Stafford last year, was, where if you recall, uh, myself, Rich Rebar, you, Curtis Patrick at Rotoviz, uh, you know, we were all sitting around a table at the Fantasy Football Expo in Canton and drinking mm. blue lemonades which we'll be back to in <laughs> August, and I can't wait. And we started discussing, Curtis and I, a dynasty trade in one of our bigger leagues with everyone because myself and Ian Harditz were a quarterback short in a super flex league. And basically, we, we dwindled everything down, knowing our team was in win-now mode. And so we traded, and I didn't get Ian's approval, uh, so who knows what he would have said, but we eventually traded. I shipped Austin Eckler uh, for Matthew Stafford, Tyler Boyd and a pick to Curtis thinking my team's in win now. And I need rather than plugging in a running back, a super flex. I do want that quarterback option for those extra points. Although it didn't work out for me last year, at least could work out this year. I sure. put Russell Wilson's situation similar to that. And I do think a win now team can go out and get Russ maybe for cheap, even after last year's dreadful performance as well. So just go ahead and give me your thoughts on Russell Wilson and checking the temperature on his trade value. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I, you know, we were excited about Russell Wilson this time last year after that trade, uh, looking at the weapons he would have, this new coaching staff that we thought would would lead to some success. And obviously it was a disaster. But I think what we've seen over the past uh, couple months really has has helped Wilson. Obviously, the, the addition of Sean Payton is good mm -hmm. news for him. But even you look those last three weeks, the final three weeks of the season after they made the coaching change, Russell Wilson was the quarterback two in, in fantasy in those final three games. And yeah, I mean, we're talking about week 18. Lots of players were not even uh, not even on the field, but 
you know, when, when you have a season that bad uh, for, for one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in, uh, you know, really the past 10 years or so, you've got to hang on to some, some of the bright spots. So um, they still have those pieces intact as far as Sutton, Judy, Greg Dulcich was a nice story. Uh, Javante Williams, hopefully coming back. I'm I'm buying again on on Russell Wilson and looking at this trade, uh, some of these recent trades and the ADP, it's it's a pretty easy buy. Russell Wilson for Jared Goff, even up for TJ Hawkinson, even up. These are in super flex leagues, by the way. Uh, Russell Wilson for a second rounder in a super flex league. I, I can't do, do that, that in, in my league. Instant. I, I, in I yeah, instant. I would, I would do in that in instant if I could. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's the 2.01. You get Russell Wilson for a second rounder. That's a slam dunk deal. I would give two second rounders. I would give two second rounders and and, and a throw-in prospect. Those are easy deals to make. Someone that is not necessarily a player to acquire on the cheap for win now, but someone we're looking into long-term is, of course, Russ's teammate, Javante Williams. Because mm, yeah. short-term... October's torn AC on LCL and his right knee that looms that overshadows perhaps his short-term explosiveness, but long-term 23 in April, only 23. Uh, he only has one career start without Melvin Gordon and he finishes the overall RB one that week. <laughs> and now we have Sean Payton who knows how to build around his most talented players. So is this situation for Javante a buy or sell one for you? It's, it's a buy for sure. Uh, I think What's really hurting Javante Williams' value right now in Dynasty is J.K. Dobbins, right? We we saw uh, Dobbins be slow to come back from that ACL injury the previous year, uh, ultimately ended up missing the beginning of, of this past season. And and then a, about that same time, while Dobbins is, is not even on the field yet, Javante suffers this injury. And uh, it, it was, you know, according to reports, the more serious version of the knee injury. So. I think uh, I think dynasty managers are playing this one a little safe. Normally, we see those running backs. We saw it with Dobbins. We saw it with Cam Akers coming back from injury. We see it almost every year with these players coming back from knee injuries that they bounce back uh, as as soon as the calendar turns. Right as soon as uh, the new year turns and and the fantasy season, we're not submitting those lineups anymore. Those players' value bounce back hasn't been the case with Javante still outside of the top 12 running backs. He's actually running back 16 hmm. right now. Um, his December ADP, this one surprised me was his lowest of his career. Uh, so of course he suffered that injury and in, uh, I guess September, October around there, but it was the, uh, it was the December ADP that, that was really the lowest. That's, I don't know. That one's confusing me still, honestly, but, um, yeah, this, like you said, more of a long-term view here, but I'm buying. Uh, the trades are reasonable. Actually, the trades are really nice. Williams and a three for Najee Harris. I want Williams there. Williams and two second rounders for a first rounder. You know, I mentioned this on uh, on Twitter today. This is separate from the Javante Williams conversation, but trading a late first round rookie pick for a second round rookie pick and something else is a trade we should all be trying to make right now. Because we get hung up on who we're taking at 111 or 112. And so many times there's very little difference between your 111 and the 202 or 203. So focus on those tiers. And, and I know we're early in that rookie process, obviously. Uh, but focus on those tiers. And if you see that big tier, third, fourth tier, whatever it is, there may not be any difference between a late, a late first and an early second. So seeing Javante and two seconds for a first, it is a slam dunk. We may be early, but you're already giving out the goods. You're already helping everyone. This is lovely. Uh, you may actually just repeat what you just said on injuries and players bouncing back once the calendar turns, but Tony Pollard is in a similar situation, unrestricted free agent, of course, but historically the Cowboys have paid their players coming off injury. Dak Prescott and Michael Gallup, the most recent examples. Pollard is also expected to be at full strength entering training camp. So nothing to worry about whether he signs back with Dallas or goes elsewhere. So Tony Pollard's value in your mind right now in Dynasty. His ADP in January was the highest it's ever been. Running back 15 and 42 overall. So obviously a different case than Javante. The injury wasn't as serious. Uh, the pedigree also was not there, right? Uh, Tony Pollard was the player 
who's been gaining value throughout the season uh, where Javante Williams already had that value. He was already a top, a top five overall pick in dynasty before that injury. So uh, it, it seems that dynasty managers aren't really worried about the landing spot or about the injury with Tony Pollard uh, because his value is, continues to grow. Um, he is the, uh, as I said, running back 15 highest. He's been the trades. James Cook and a first, hmm. Jahan Dotson and Nico Collins. I think those are prices I'm I'm willing to pay in general. Okay, because those are that's really good return. That's almost like a win win in my opinion. Yeah, th- they're they're close. They're close for me. Uh, I mean, I would I would give a late first for Tony Pollard for sure. I completely agree. Um, Jahan Dotson is someone I've been kind of running around trying to buy. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's a great return for both sides, honestly. Uh, Tony Pollard seems to be the player right now is the, the hot, hot stove player that's going to get those kind of returns. Um, a confusing situation in my mind, what's happening in Arizona is Marquise Brown. <laughs> because we saw without DeAndre Hopkins, six games, Marquise Brown did average 10 and a half targets and a team high 24.9% target share from Kyler Murray. Hopkins, of course, expected to be traded this offseason. The team has already announced that. So it would basically just be after AJ Green retired, Rondell Moore and Hopkins or and Brown that's on this current roster with Jonathan Gannon. We don't know who he's going to hire as a new QB coach, a new OC, but overall, that's what we have right now. So just the temperature on Marquise Brown in Arizona. Yeah, it's not really good. Uh, I, on the DLF pod this week, I said that Arizona was just a stay away team for me. Um, you've got the coaching change. They bring in the the defensive uh, head coach there in Gannon. Uh, obviously, the Kyler injury. There's questions uh, when he will be back. Uh, I even saw some uh, some talk that, and this is just Twitter talk, so take it for what it's worth, that, that he would miss the entire 2023 season. I I would assume that's not the case, but you know we really have no idea when Kyler comes back. And, and I think the thing that worries me most when it comes to Brown and Rondell Moore is they were brought in to fit that Cliff Kingsbury offense and they're not running that Cliff Kingsbury offense anymore. Right. So um, I, I think Brown is, is talented enough, talented enough that he, he can fit in any offense and, and, and you know, have a role and make an impact. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say the same thing about Rondell Moore, unfortunately, but there's just so many questions that, I think I'm probably staying away. The value has dropped so much. I mean, these trades are ugly, Daigle. Evan Ingram, <laughs> even up. Miles Sanders, Reagent even Evan up. Ingram. Yes. Uh, you know, if I can get him for Evan Ingram, then sure, I'm buying at that point. If I can get Hollywood for a second rounder, I'll pay a second for him. Uh, but yeah, in, in general, I'm, I'm avoiding all of the Cardinals, all of them. I think Rondell Moore is so low and I'm still obsessed that I would throw out a ham sandwich for him because like, you're, yeah. I think you could get him in most leagues. Like no one's trying to keep him anymore. So I'll just be the guy like during the pandemic, when I bought Jordan love rookie cards, I'm just going to be the guy to hold them now. Like I can't, they have, they have a ceiling. It's just a matter of if that ceiling is reached. So this, I think this might fine. be your time. The next, the next few weeks could team. be, could be big for you with Jordan love what? with those rookie cards. One more player that could exceed, succeed due to opportunities, Khalil Herbert, because we mm. saw at least last year under Luke Getze, two starts Herbert made for David Montgomery, and he averaged 21 touches in, in those starts. But yeah. although they trust him as a workhorse, Montgomery, of course, a free agent, we also know the Bears have a league high, $98.5 million in cap space coming up, plus any assumed return they get from the number one overall pick if they trade it. So, Khalil Herbert in your mind, is this a player that we're trying to go out and buy low given the assumed opportunity, or do we just not think it comes in Chicago? I think the buy low option or the buy low window is, is probably gone right now um, because I think so hmm. many dynasty managers are, are kind of thinking along the same lines as what you just laid out that th- this guy might be in line for the starting job. They're, they're not ready to compete. They're not going to focus on the running back position and it could, it could play out like that, but, I mean, they're going to bring in someone uh, to at, at at least compete with Khalil uh, Herbert. The value has gone up. The ADP has gone up. He's inside the top 100 for just the second time 
in his short career. So he's a top 100 player in Dynasty, according to the ADP. I don't think he really is. I don't think he's a top 100 asset. Khalil Herbert and a second for Joe Mixon. Khalil Herbert for Calvin Ridley, even up. Khalil hmm. Herbert for Elijah Moore and a second rounder. Like that's that's double what you should be paying, in my opinion, right? Like he's okay for Elijah Moore, even up, I guess. I'd rather have more. He's okay for a second rounder. But to get more and a second, to get Calvin Ridley, I'd much rather have Ridley. Those are 10 players that stood out to me in their situations in Dynasty. Quick bonus question for you, though. Is there anyone that you have avidly been going out and trying to trade or sell? I know the articles have been pumping out at DynastyFootball.com with yeah. highs and lows right now. So any players that you know you've gone through all your teams and just thought, okay, I want that player. I know I'm trying to sell high on this player right now. As far as the sales, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, really almost every running back. Uh, I, I'm i not trusting any running any running backs outside of, let's say, Taylor and Brees Hall right now. Um, okay. If you want to throw Bijan into that as, you know, he's, he's starting to show up on dynasty rosters, uh, that's fine. But But those three guys are the ones that, that I'm really trusting value-wise right now. Outside of that, uh, I'm I'm looking to sell running backs. Kenneth Walker comes to mind. I think he's overvalued. Uh, we're seeing him show up in first rounds of, of dynasty startups. So if I can flip Walker for a running back, I'm sorry, for a, uh, a wide receiver, I'd, I'd certainly do that. Uh, someone in that same range, you know, maybe that's Garrett Wilson. Maybe that's uh, T. Higgins, who we talked about. I would mm-hmm. take Higgins over, over Kenneth Walker. Those uh those receivers in that range is uh, the return I'd be looking for on him. In that case, tell everyone what else you have coming out at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and where they can find you. Yeah, all my work at DLF, DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Uh, working on a uh, off-season movement series right now, basically just looking at all the players who could move, free agents, rookies, uh, players who might get uh, might even get cut. Uh, like Joe Mixon that we talked about today, uh, just about done with that series. And uh, then we're really uh, focusing heavy, obviously, on this this rookie class. And we will certainly try to have you and the rest of the Godfathers back on to reignite our Dynasty Roundtable for everyone and a month here around Combine time. But until then, thanks, Ryan, for joining. Thanks, Paulson, wherever you are right now doing projections. And remember, we will be back next week as we continue to wrap up everything in this podcast at least once a week. We'll go from there. But until then, you know, be a little bit kinder than what's required.